Welcome to Far North Tokers. This is episode 170, February 2nd, 2020. Your host, Ned Toker. Thank you all for listening. Super Bowl Sunday today. All right, faithful. It's about that time. We all know about this storied franchise. The rings. The legends. While many of you are sitting down watching the Super Bowl, I'm recording today's episode. It's going to be a little bit about football. How Mid Toker football, and cannabis come together. I want to thank token sponsors, Prison Farms, Green Dreams Cultivation, and of course, Alaskan Blooms. Come on down to Alaskan Blooms for the finest cannabis in Alaska. We've got deals going all week to show appreciation to our wonderful customers just like you. Got a case of the Mondays? Then Munchy Monday is the perfect way to wind down. Swing by and take advantage of our 25% off sale on all edibles. We've got candy, sodas, hash aids, coffee, cookies, and crackers. With so many edibles to choose from, Munchy Monday is the perfect time to save on edibles. We're showing love to our concentrate lovers on Terpy Tuesday. Fireweed extracts, terp sugars for only $40 a gram. Did you know that we carry a wide variety of CBD infused water? Wet and Wild Wednesday is a great time to sample them all. CBD waters are 35% off. This Thirsty Thursday, we figured we'd keep the deal rolling on Red Run Hash Aids. You could still buy six for $90. Pick up 12 of them and that's $30 off. Fire Eater Friday is back and all Fire Eater products are 25% off. We've got hard candy and sodas that should get your weekend off to the right start. Saturday is Shatterday and you know what that means. 25% off all Shatter in the store. We've even got baller slabs and CBD shatter made with our own bird strain. And this Sunday is still CBD Sunday. Purchase one CBD product for 10% off, grab two CBD products and get 20% off. Stock up and get three or more CBD products and save 30% on your whole CBD order. We're closing in fast on our retail shop's one year anniversary and we're only getting started. We here at Alaskan Blooms can't stop and won't stop giving you the best deals with the best service. 8 a.m. to midnight, 2443 Arvilla Street, Fairbanks, alaskanblooms.com. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with the consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. How does football fit in with Midtoker. Let's first start with the history of the Super Bowl. To truly tell the story of the Super Bowl, we need to start in 1960. 27-year-old Dallas businessman Lamar Hunt wanted nothing else but to own an NFL franchise. With the league's rising popularity and household names like Jim Brown and Johnny Unitas, owning a team seemed like the opportunity of a lifetime. But after multiple attempts, Hunt was denied a franchise and in turn came up with a brilliant plan gather a group of wealthy businessmen with the same aspirations and create a rival pro football league. This collection of men would be nicknamed the Foolish Club, and their new league would be known as the AFL. You probably remember a great many sports events. However, I doubt that anything was more important than the establishment of the American Football League. The NFL suddenly had legitimate competition in stadium attendance, TV rights, the draft, and most importantly, signing star players. Hunt and the AFL made such a substantial impact that by 1966, the leagues agreed to merge, operating separately until 1970. 
In June of 66, the AFL and NFL agreed that their respective champions would play each other in an annual season-ending title game. Hello again, everyone, from the Coliseum in Los Angeles, and this is it, the American Football League National Football League Championship. The Kansas City Chiefs against the Green Bay Packers who have won the NFL championship four times in the last six years. Tickets at the LA Coliseum sold for an average of six bucks, and it was the only Super Bowl that failed to sell out. The game was simultaneously televised by CBS and NBC, with each network providing their own announcers. The 30-second TV commercial cost around $42,000. To put that in perspective, a 30-second ad in Super Bowl 54 would cost $5.6 million. Vince Lombardi's Packers would dominate Hunt's Chiefs en route to a 35-10 victory. McGee to the left, star dropping straight back, hit as he throws, has the ball. Packers players earned a $15,000 bonus for winning the game, while the Chiefs earned $7,500 each. By Super Bowl 54, players from the winning team would be awarded $124,000, while the team losing would receive $62,000. So how did the biggest game in the world get its name? Well, ideas like the big one, Pro Bowl, and World Series of Football were thrown around as both leagues approached the game. It was Hunt who jokingly pitched Super Bowl. But NFL Commissioner Pete Rozelle finally settled on the AFL-NFL World Championship game. While that was the official name for the next two seasons, it was the media who fell in love with Super Bowl. The phrase was so widely used that by January of 1969, the Jets and Colts would square off in Super Bowl III. We're going to win the game, I guarantee it. Namath has not been bashful this week, and he has said that the Jets are going to win. It's arguably the most important Super Bowl in history. The Baltimore Colts came in as heavy favorites, and most thought the NFL would once again overpower the AFL. But after boldly guaranteeing a win, Broadway Joe Namath led the Jets to a monumental upset, putting the AFL on the map. The Super Bowl was off and running. For the rest of Super Bowl history, head on over to NFL Throwback YouTube channel. Now, I was born in 1973. My grandfather, my pops, loved the Baltimore Colts. I remember news breaking in, live cameras, the Colts are leaving town. Young. Grandfather watched football all the time. He was so mad at what the Baltimore Colts did. Not going to watch football again. Not going to be involved with that. I remember it was one of the worst nights of our history, and this is the 27th anniversary of the Baltimore Colts walking out on us. 9,855 nights ago, and it still makes us sick. I think it's totally despicable. Scott Garceau chased Robert Ursay down at the airport in January of 1984. Today D-Day, Bob? Today D-Day for what? Decision? <laughs> no decisions. No decisions? Yeah. Tell them Just information today? No information. Before our microphones, Robert Ursey told us he was not moving the blankety-blank team. I have not any intention to move the team. If I did, I would tell you about it, okay? But we knew he had a wandering eye. We chased him to Phoenix, Jacksonville, Memphis. If you love the Colts, why don't you treat me right? But we found his lawyer in Indianapolis, Michael Chernoff. Why is there so much secrecy about all of this? Why can't you comment? No comment. We're in uh, Indianapolis earlier today. No comment. 
can't tell us why you're here? No comment. Ursa wanted us to pay for preseason games. One o'clock starts. Improvements to Memorial Stadium. The legislature was about to use eminent domain to seize the club, so Ursa had to make a move. I just can't believe this is happening. Mayor Schaefer from his front steps of his home. The Colts had to sneak out of town at night. It degrades a great tradition of the city in football. The legendary late newsman, John Stemmen, who saw every Colts game home and away. I doubt if Robert Ursay realizes tonight the full impact or the, uh, the extent of his sin in, in pulling away a football team that was a big part of the fiber of Baltimore. One of the greatest fans of all time, Loudy. We've got 27 years involved the corrals with this ball club, so why should we stop? We'll be here when the new Colts come in. The Baltimore Ravens came to town, and the only way to erase a memory like tonight is to win the next Super Bowl in Indianapolis. That was some of the beginning of what football was for me. Watched it on TV a little bit. I remember my uncle always going to the other room at family gatherings you know, to watch football games. I wasn't really interested in it got a little older and it's a little bigger for my size pudgy more likely and my dad had a business and some other person that was running the business next to him also was a coordinator for a midget football team i was in eighth grade it's kind of big like i said pudgy he would be good on the football team you want to play no i'm not sure at this point i played backyard football and any of you out there played some backyard football that's a different kind of sport I grew up in a neighborhood, 75% boys, to a point you could get a good, on a good day, a six on six football game in the backyard going. One of my first football game memories I have, me being in kindergarten or something, guys picking me up on their shoulders and running down the field, me being set up in little arenas to fight the next oldest guy, just getting black eyes and, oh, football in the backyards in Pennsylvania. We had this, uh, our yard, the one side of it was just these tall shrubs, perfect sidelines. Between those getting snapped off from getting tackled into them, and then the other side, I think it was a Japanese maple. That thing had some thorns on it, so if, if you got tackled into that thing, a couple times it happened. Bloody noses, and no broken bones, surprisingly. Scrapes, a couple knockouts. Made it through all right. I, I remember one, one game, two on two, it was with lighters. Everyone had lighters there running around trying to burn each other. I don't know what that was all about. I don't, I don't think it was tackle. It was just burning, just lighting each other. But being stupid, being kids in Pennsylvania with nothing else to do. Lord of the Flies a little bit, actually. Backyard football, and then some kind of organized thing is going to come into me. I think you had to be, what, 128 pounds? So 8th grade, 128 pounds. I was not eating Thursday and Friday, and then weighing in on Saturday morning so I can make way in and then go eat a bunch and then play the game in the afternoon. From that, we did all right. It was fun. We didn't have many people on our team, and um, we got to experience loss a lot, which is a good thing, I think, to grow up losing. It'd be nice to win some, that's for sure. But didn't do much of that on football. When I got to ninth grade, decided maybe I'll go out for a junior high football team. My coach that I played with on the little peewee he knew the coach of the high school and you know, he said I did good and so I got in played there and continued through high school 
Now, where I grew up in southern Pennsylvania, it was Penn State territory. If you were into football in my area, you liked Penn State. There wasn't many other college football teams you were interested in. You might like some of the other teams here and there, but you're a Penn State fan. There were occasional pit, but while we were playing on the football field, the Penn State score would be announced during high school games. Both teams would be cheering for Penn State, and I actually played against a guy in high school. His name was John Whitman. He would go on to play for Penn State and then play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. My claim to fame, I played against him. And I, you know, I, I was playing inside linebacker against this dude that would go on to play in the NFL. It didn't go too well. If any of you guys have seen me, I'm not a big person. Hand off to John Whitman up the middle, hit to the left. So the lone running back Whitman, but back to pass is Collins. Quick screen goes to John Whitman. He's down to the 30 and down high. Short one again, but this time it is picked up at the 27-yard line. Caught on the fly by John Whitman, and he runs it straight up the middle and gets almost to midfield. John Whitman that time picked it up on the run and smashed up the middle out to... He destroyed me, ran over me lots of times. I think that game, it was 64 to nothing. Oh, John Whitman. It was fun in high school, though, playing. I, uh... John Whitman, touchdown, Penn State. I don't know if I would necessarily give it up, like take that back part. No, body is damaged because of it, but you know, it was all part. It's good being team sports on the people I met during that time would, would change the rest of my life. 10th grade, JV football. Two of the guys I started hanging out with were cannabis smokers. They were from the different part of town, and I was hanging out with them. Our town had a... I don't know, uh, a dance once a month. And we would drink before the dance. So I guess 10th grade. Took a drive out to a lump, like a bunch of houses being created, being being built, like a, what do you call this? A lot, just a construction lot. Four of us hanging out. Prior to getting there on the way over, it was my two friends, his sister, and me. We're driving around in a Chevy Nova. Was it a Chevelle? No, never was too good at cars. One of those old muscle cars back in those in the eighties. Yeah, no, it was a Chevelle. They were smoking up in the front. She hadn't smoked. I hadn't smoked. Never had before. They were smoking up front, passing back and forth, corn cob pipe. Didn't they, you know they were blowing it around? But they, I don't think I don't even think they offered it to me at that point. It wasn't even an offer. Drive over to that construction yard and. Passing around a bottle of Jack Daniels, four of us. Two of them, my two friends, are passing around that corncob pipe. G 
Chini Cannabis, North Pole Cannabis Dispensary, 1725 Richardson Highway, between North Pole and Fairbanks, right before the Badger Road exit. You're going to love this place. Convenient access right off the highway. On the way out of town, stock up on some of my favorite in-house strains. Big Smooth, Fruity Pebbles, always a $5 pre-roll special, and $10 grams. Flour, edibles, concentrates, and your smoking accessory needs. Check out the full menu on leafly.com. Open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 p.m., Saturday 10 to 10, Sunday noon to 8. You don't have to drive all the way to Fairbanks for your cannabis needs. Save your time. Get your quality cannabis at Chena Cannabis, your North Pole Cannabis Dispensary. Chena Cannabis. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with the consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. still see how dark that lot was hanging out in some some dirt hill it's passing back and forth and let me try that so i I never was offered it you know all those commercials growing up in the 80s just say no people gonna offer you uh pot it's a good pot for you no cocaine no thanks Yo, my man, you want some nudes? No way. If someone offers you drugs, instead of saying something you really don't mean, just say, No. Got some sense of million for you. No. No. No big production number. Just say, No. You'd be surprised how well it works. I, no. Never happened to me that way in the beginning. It was in front of me. Friends were doing it. I wanted to see what they were doing. I hacked so much. I'd probably smoked a few cigarettes before then. Nothing. Just took that big deep breath in and cough, 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 cough. Now, I can't say if I remember if I got high or not. Those whiskey being passed around definitely did not get high. So I don't know. Don't know. Went to the dance. Had a good time, and I think a week later, I may have even bought a dime sack from that guy. And that was the beginning. There would be times at parties from this point on. Most of my friends were drinkers. Being in football, it seemed like alcohol went right along with that. They would all be drinking, and I would step outside and smoke a bowl. My Super Bowl. And never, no one had any problem with me that way. Um, I didn't have a problem with them. They would drink. I would smoke. Wish I would have done that a lot earlier sometimes. Choose not to drink. The beginning of choosing cannabis over alcohol for me. And then as it became more available, rarely alcohol anymore at all. What was football like for me growing up? 80s. What do we have? Brian Bosworth. Huge celebrity things. Bo Jackson. And now the Raiders, can they stay with Kansas City? And can Denver stay with Bo Jackson? The answer is no. Bo has another. 
You know, that's like Muhammad Ali or something. So fast and so sharp and hit so quick that you stun the guys trying to tackle you. You see him starting right. He looks like he's in trouble, but look how hard he hits people. He's just so quick. Look at that burst banging into people. It's explosion. He's really beating the defenders to the punch. That's the greatness that this guy has as an athlete. Don't I know you? Nice shoes. Are you sure we haven't met before? Now, where's that Tour de France thing? Nice shoes. I knew I should have taken the right turn in Albuquerque. Have you ever been to L.A.? Oh, don't surf. That's what you think, dudes. Might you all join me in a spot of tea? Where'd you put your college ball? What is he doing here? I thought this was another Bono's commercial. Has anyone seen Bo's ball? I know, Kansas City. Nice shoes. Nice shoes. You ever play with Bo Dilly? The Super Bowl Shuffle. Come on. Does anyone remember the Super Bowl Shuffle? We are the best shuffling crew. Shuffling on down, doing it for you. We're so bad, we know we're good. Blowing your mind like a new year would. You know we're just strutting for fun. Strutting our stuff on everyone. We're not here to start no trouble. We're just here to do the Super Bowl Shuffle. This is the kind of stuff I saw. Huge marketing for teams. I don't know if that was the beginning. I don't know enough NFL history to know what happened, but we're bombarded with it. It wasn't really football. Somewhere in there, I'm sure the halftime show became more and more popular. Evolution of the Super Bowl halftime show. CBS This Morning, February 5th, 2016. Well, our story begins in the past, 50 years ago, with a little marching band from Louisiana. Hey! One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. These college bandmates haven't marched together in 50 years, but when we met up with them recently, they hardly missed a beat. You had to bring your dedication each time, practice like you perform, and you perform like you practice. It was their performance together in 1967 that would change history. That year, the commissioner of the National Football League invited Grambling State's marching band to play in their very first Super Bowl. 129 men from a small Louisiana college marched alongside the University of Arizona's band for millions of viewers. There was a lot of weight on our shoulders, and a lot of times we didn't pay particular attention to the weight. If we went out on the field and did a show and it pleased the public, then we felt that we had done our job. For the next 23 years, marching bands were a Super Bowl mainstay. Then, in 1991, Disney produced the Halftime Party. They chose the commercially successful boy band, New Kids on the Block. Two years later, the king of pop, Michael Jackson, moonwalked for 100 million viewers. More people watched his 12-minute performance than the game itself. 
and the era of the A-list was born. It's pop culture's national holiday. It's become the place in which you see not only the kind of highest form of competition, but also the place in which pop icons are affirmed. There's a real kind of sense of anything might, might happen. And anything did happen. In 1996, Diana Ross reaffirmed her diva status with a performance featuring a chorus, fireworks, and a high-flying exit. Stages set for superstars soon featured rising stars, too. Halftime producer MTV took a chance during Super Bowl 35, pairing aging rockers Aerosmith with a baby-faced Britney Spears. It's kind of a point of possibility for performers who are very much on the verge, um, as well as those who are, you know, cemented in our cultural imaginary. There is another moment cemented in America's imagination. Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake's wardrobe malfunction in 2004 set a new course for the halftime show. It's a complicated moment in our Super Bowl history. It certainly changed uh, the lineup of, of, of halftime performers for several years afterwards. Super Bowl 39 hosted a Beatle. In 2009, it was The Boss. Four years later, Beyonce was on full display. Then, rising star Bruno Mars brought in the show's highest ratings yet. But none of these halftime steps or dramatic antics could have been possible without a group of teenagers from Louisiana. Do you think that the Super Bowl performances helped to raise the level of awareness that people had about this university and its band? I don't think. I know so. Super Bowl I launched the Grambling Band's legacy. The biggest taste you've ever they later starred in commercials, played the Super Bowl four more times, and even inspired the 2002 film, Drumline. My motto is, you don't know what you're in until you're out of it. The Grambling Marching Band of today made possible by a trailblazing band from the past. So what did you want to show America when you set foot out on that field? We leave a lasting impression on that individual to say, I've never seen anything like that before and I know I never will see it again. Believe it or not, none of these performers get paid, but they do get reimbursed for the cost of the production. And depending on how big that production is, that gale could be in the millions. I did pretty good in high school as far as grades. I was even all county running back. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I served my country. I played high school football. <laughs> Four touchdowns in one game. Yet I'm not exempt from state and federal taxes. Now, is this any way America should treat its heroes? I'm just pretty good in that league. It's behind John Whitman, of course, but... You know, what are you going to do against that superstar? 6'3", 220 pounds in high school. Me, that's 5'9", 200 pounds. Different, different, different story. I had a chance to go on and play at college, not for anything athletic. It was more probably academic. I'd have been beat up on that team. But bad coaching experience in high school at the end. Just wanted to be away from football. Go to college. Knew I wouldn't be playing at Penn State. I mean, phew, that's a whole different game. I had a friend later in life who all state uh, 
lineman tackle for, I believe, Indiana, Ohio, somewhere, and ended up going and playing for Penn State. I met him after years after this, but he talked about getting his bell rung in high school. Maybe happened twice where you see stars. He said on that Penn State field, practice every time, every play, you're just being rocked. Couldn't imagine it. I'd have been done. I could have played at really small schools, not not big schools, and I wanted to go to a bigger school. Things didn't end up going for my that way, but that was my intention in the beginning. Went off to college, some branch campus of Penn State, and that's what you're going to do. 13th grade in Pennsylvania, go to Penn State. And having access to cannabis was tough then. Found it here and there and enjoyed it at that time. Football, watched college games probably more at that point. It was kind of becoming the end for me in football. Would bartend, would see games then, waiting tables, see games then, friends, Super Bowl parties, no. Moving to Alaska from Baltimore, being four hours different, you're watching games early in the morning. No, I wasn't wasn't going out of my way to watch a football game and you kind of lose track. Combination of the Colts leaving and me leaving is why I'm not so much into football anymore. Hope everyone had a really fun time today at their Super Bowl party. I know I enjoyed talking back about what football was like for me growing up. I liked football. Lots of great memories. How is the NFL reacting to cannabis? Let's hear. NBC Sports, January 14th, 2020. Posted by Sharon Williams. The NFL is growing closer to allowing players legally to use cannabis. The Pain Management Committee of the NFL and its Players Association met Tuesday with manufacturers of products that use CBD in sports medicine, Judy Batista of NFL Media reports. The fact-finding session provided scientific research and evidence regarding use of CBD products as well as an update about what products are available that could prove useful to NFL players. The NFL, NFLPA Pain Management Committee is a jointly formed committee tasked with providing advice to the league and union regarding recent developments in the area of pain management for elite athletes, the league and the players union said in a joint statement. In furtherance of its duties, the committee has been asked to brief the parties on the current state of pain management and alternative therapies including cannabis, cannabinoids, and CBD. The committee invited manufacturers of CBD products to share their research today so the committee may hear and consider the possible scientific evidence base for CBD use as a pain management alternative. This meeting was an educational and scientific exercise and does not impact the jointly administered policy and program on substances of abuse. We look forward to the continued cooperative work of the joint committee. The NFL's current drug policy prohibits the use of THC, a substance found in marijuana and some CBD products. NFL players want the league to allow marijuana use, and the evolution of state laws is making it harder for the league to continue to ban it. Nevada, the new home of the 2020 Raiders, has become the first state to prohibit employers from refusing to hire employees based on a failed marijuana test, with obvious exceptions for safety-sensitive jobs. Where are we going to go with this? Is there going to be no drug testing for the 2020 Raiders? Interesting. We shall see. That is going to be definitely in the news coming up. The Pro Football Talk Live podcast with Mike Florio. Major League Baseball announced on Thursday an agreement with the Major League Baseball Players Association to remove marijuana from the list of banned substances. 
removing from the testing protocol a substance that is now legal in more and more states all the time, both for medicinal and recreational purposes. And that's important because that move adds more pressure to the NFL to follow suit. The NFL has been resisting for years the idea of dropping marijuana from its substance abuse policy. And look, I don't think the NFL is ever going to voluntarily drop marijuana from the policy. I can see one scenario where it would happen. If Congress, the federal government, would remove marijuana from the list of federal controlled substances, that may be the moment where the NFL has no choice but to remove marijuana from the substance abuse policy. Until then, the league is going to want some sort of a concession from the NFLPA in order to do anything. That's how collective bargaining works. The NFL currently has the right to test for marijuana and to fine and eventually suspend players who continuously test positive for it. The NFL is not going to want to give that up without getting something in return. From the player's perspective, what do they give up in order to secure the removal of marijuana from the banned substances list? Because the way the testing program is set up, smart players, players who don't have a problem, players who can stop smoking in the middle of March and refrain until they have their annual test at some point between April 20 and August 8, if you can wait until you give that sample, you're good to go. And if players need to do it for pain management, well, what's really happening from April 20 until August 8? Yeah, you've got some off-season workouts. Yeah, you've got some early training camp if you don't get tested until late in the window. But you're able to smoke it throughout the regular season, throughout all of the months, after the moment that you provide your sample until the following March when you need to, to back off in order to get it out of your system before that window opens again. So smart players know how to avoid testing positive. The substance abuse policy only ensnares a small handful of players every year. That makes it less likely the NFLPA would make a major concession in order to get rid of it. So I think it stays as it is. Maybe the penalties continue to get less and less. We've seen some adjustment there in recent years. But I think the NFL eventually will walk away from marijuana under the substance abuse policy the moment that the federal government removes marijuana from the list of controlled substances, if and when that ever happens. Until then... It's going to stay the way it is. You're going to have people who say the NFL should drop it, but the NFL won't until there's some sort of a way to do it within the confines of collective bargaining. From the Spawn, Svi Makon. February 2nd, 2020. Report. The NFL could have a new schedule by 2021. Collective bargaining. Remember how we talked about that? Collective bargaining. With the NFL and NFLPA's collective bargaining agreement set to expire next year, the two sides have been working hard to iron out a new deal to avoid a lockout or a strike. Based on the latest reports, progress has been going well, and one of the big consequences of a new deal could be a redesigned schedule. According to ESPN NFL insiders Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen, the NFLPA is set to conditionally vote on whether to approve a 17-game schedule. If approved, such a schedule could be implemented as early as 2021 with the new CBA. Per the report, a source said that players hate the idea of a 17-game season. They would take the option to bite the bullet in exchange for 10 or more things they want. Among some of the things the players would get in return is an increased revenue share, as well as greater spending minimums for teams. Drug punishments for marijuana would also be relaxed, as would fines for on-field incidents. The NFL would also offer an increase in post-career benefits and a continuation of the legacy fund. Ultimately, it will be up to the 32 team reps to decide if the rigors of adding an extra game is worth what the league is offering. What do you think? There we go. Add another game. Going to reduce some penalties for marijuana. See what happens. 
One of the things I love about the history of the Super Bowl, you have this idea of just do it. He wasn't allowed. He wasn't allowed to participate in the NFL, this owner hunt. Fuck it. I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm just going to make my own league. Hmm. Can't beat them, join them. If they won't let you in, build your own. They eventually let him in. And we heard a little bit how that went. Now we have Super Bowl history. And the idea of the naming of Super Bowl. He controlled language. Controlling language, just doing it, forging ahead, creating. Ties into Far North Tokers. Create. Look what it has become. The amount of money generated. Just wish some of that money could be diverted. You gotta give give some kudos to those athletes who are going back to their neighborhoods and giving back. I don't hear much about it. Again, I don't follow it. You know, there are some. Wish there would be more. Imagine going back to your hometowns, all those athletes and providing. It's their choice. There were two times during high school football when I was, uh, not two times, but there were two times, two novel drug test stories I have for high school. We were all drug tested. I'm not sure if they were doing that at this time. Probably not, or my friend would have been busted. He'd have been caught. Not for cannabis, for steroids. I had a friend during high school who was taking steroids to be the best football player he could be. A bunch of us are sitting there prior to football season, taking our urine samples. We'd all sit in a line, go into the bathroom, urinate the cup, bring it out, put it on the table. The nurses would take them all away and um, they'd test them. My friends when he brought his out from the bathroom it was almost black everyone else put their urine down and you know it was all shades of amber and yellow and clear and his was black um what's going on come to find out he had cancer all through his body he didn't play that year went and got treatment beat it came back the following year he got a lot of play time which that affected my play time too. He was getting a lot of play coming back from cancer. and He, he did good. The other P story I have, is also sitting there with all my friends and one of them goes into the bathroom. It was a separate occasion the following year. I think it was actually the previous year prior to this. Comes out of the bathroom with an overflowing plastic cup. The nurse looks at him and she's like, whoa, 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 you can, you don't have, you didn't have to fill it up that high. And he says, oh, okay. And he drinks half of it. We about died on the side, falling over. Couldn't, could not believe he just drank his urine. The nurse beyond almost died. She freaked out, standing up, going crazy on him and really voice getting high. And he's like, calm down, calm down, calm down. It's just apple juice. Hmm. Perception. Perception. It was a lesson in perception that day for me. Sports. Teach you a lot. Are you looking to list or searching for your perfect property? Well, contact Matt Wade at Century 21 Gold Rush, community member for over 20 years, helping you through the real estate buying and selling process. Matt Wade, C21 at gmail.com. M-A-T-W-A-D-E-C-2-1 at gmail.com. 907-978-0127. Helping you through the process. Matt Wade, Century 21 Gold Rush.
Baltimore Colts, one of their greatest players, Johnny Unitas, quarterback of the Baltimore Colts. I had a game when I was growing up. It was one of those football board games, and it was the Johnny Unitas football game. I played in a I played in a football game where Johnny Unitas' son was the quarterback on the other team. After we lost to them, Johnny Unitas came on the bus. Good game, boys. I lived close to football there. Oh, let me tell you this one story. A novel football story. Let me poke this. It was a public relations stunt. I don't know what it was. But our team was scheduled, our football team was scheduled to play the Deaf College in Washington, D.C. I do not know what their name is or the University for the Deaf. I don't think so. I just knew it as the Deaf College. Now, I tell many people this story and they cannot even believe. They, they laugh at me. I played a football game against a team of deaf athletes. One of the most incredible experiences of my football life. We got in a bus in Pennsylvania, drove down to D.C. This was a college. These guys were older than 18. I'm not sure why this game got scheduled. We were high school. I was 14. Yeah, 14. 10th grade, 14, 15. The guys were playing against 20. There's a little different muscle between 20 and 15. But we were going to play this deaf college. When they were offense, they would go off a giant bass drum that was on the sideline. They would move this giant bass line with the line of scrimmage, and they would go on one. This big, giant bass drum would hammer. And they would hike. Wow. They would feel the vibrations through the ground and would go off of that. Pretty cool. It was strange being on that football field and the other team made no sounds. Our quarterback was calling full-out plays on the line. We got to go here. Full sentences of what we're going to be doing, regardless of what level of deafness they were. They could have been all all kinds of levels. I, I don't know. Thinking back on that, I'm sure some of them could hear to some degree. Important third and five situation. Everyone lines up. Bass drum. Wham! The whole team of mine went across the line of scrimmage, called offsides. Their offense didn't move at all. Apparently, they were on the second drum beat. Wow, what a strategy. Played us two quarters going off of one. When they needed it, they pulled that little trickery of two. Wow, genius. There was a guy on the other team who had a cast, and he kept on hitting one of our players. Penalties weren't being called. It, it appeared to us as it was a, because they were deaf, they were getting away with some things. We went in at halftime pretty geared up. Seniors on the team were at that frustration level of crying in the locker room, saying there's no way we're going to eat with these guys. These guys are cheating. This is unfair. Um, not good. A lot of emotions running. We head out for the third quarter. We get in this big circle. And keep in mind, this is a PR event. We've got superintendents, athletic directors, news, watching this game. 
We're in a giant circle doing our stretches before the third quarter. And this team, other team, runs right through the middle of our circle. How dare they, right? That's funny what can insult you as a 15-year-old. 16, 17. This was not going to happen. We lined up for kickoffs. Everyone on our sideline knew a fight was going to happen. The ball was kicked off, tackled, full-out bench-clearing brawl. Athletic director coaches out there trying to pull people off. Both sides had their helmets on. So, you know, there was a lot of punching and pushing, but not much happening. Good fight. That was a memorable experience. It all got shut down. Um, we did not finish that game. Uh, interesting. My coaches later got fired that year for sleeping with the volleyball coach and um, allegations of sleeping with some of the people on the volleyball team, as well as cheerleaders, taking people on the football team, getting them alcohol. It, we had some interesting coaches. What a year. What football was to me. When I joined this high school team, we hadn't won in three years. I had a nice piece in my life that goes to this game. The game that we won to break this losing streak of three and a half, almost four years. I scored three touchdowns in that game. And the lowly shoe man who once had been a mighty athlete in high school and scored four touchdowns in one game and had many offers to junior colleges and could have made something of his life. As you know, I played high school football. <laughs> I was great. <laughs> I would reveal my true identity, but for political reasons, I cannot. But do not take me lightly. I once scored four touchdowns in a single game. Scored the winning touchdown to let us win that game to break this. What a nice gift of life that had given me. Football gave me a lot of fun times, a lot of hard times. It introduced me to cannabis. Nice introduction when there was so much alcohol. I needed it then. Sometimes you don't get what you want, you know. You get what you need. Hey, hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more conversations with the players in Alaskan Cannabis on SoundCloud, iTunes, and all other podcast places. Facebook, Instagram, and farnorthtokers.com. Send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. Here's Token. In one of my travels, I was running cannabis from central Pennsylvania down into lower Pennsylvania and distributing out to other people. The people I was getting it from were getting it to Penn State people. Nah. We'll put that in.